All right, peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense live on YouTube. Lots of gems, lots of ankle socks, lots of missed punches will get you a face kick. Let's get to it. Every day I practice martial arts. <laughs> Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? I'm good, C4. Yeah, it's we good to see you again. Today, live right. like 85. Live like 85. We're like we're both like a bunch of bamps at home on a Monday. Yeah. No real gainful employment. <laughs> Bamping it out. Bamping it out. That's right. How you been, man? Uh, we've been away for a couple of weeks. I did. I had Topher for the last couple of lives, but figured yeah. I'd get you on here. And uh, how you been, man? What you been up to? Woo! Been up to nothing. A bunch of nothingness. But been up be to good. a bunch of nothingness. A bunch of nothingness. So awesome. monotonous nothingness. But we're good. We're good. I'm keeping my spirits high. But <clears throat> that's the way to do know, it, man. So. AFD. Here we yeah. are. Here we are with another live. Uh, I figured yeah. for the topic today we would talk about film flubs in uh, Bruce Lee movies. Now, the reason I decided to talk about that instead of like Wing Chun topics or normal Kung Fu topics is because I think those are better for the pre-recorded episodes. Right. Where it's a little more chill when when we're when we're live. The energy is a little bit more chaotic. So um, hey. I figured it's kind of we do more of a fun topic when it's time to do it live, and then we can do more serious stuff. And we'll get back to shooting regular episodes. It's just as as we've alluded to before, Dre's been busy lately. He's got stuff going on. I've I've had some travel and some other stuff. So it's just been really hard to record episodes. That's why we've been doing these live. So um, thank you so much for bearing with us, everyone uh, who's uh, into the KFG. So um, I'm going to talk first uh, or show some of the comments we have here. And then we'll get right into our topic. So here we go. Yo. Look at this comment, man, right off the gate. Too much Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. Is there anything else you could speak about other than Bruce Lee? Um, I don't know. Talk about hip -hop. Let's talk about uh, thimbles. Thimbles. So you know, thimbles are difficult. They, you know, if you, you got to get the right size for a thimble when you sew, yeah. you know? And then yeah, really, you got to get the shit really that fits a thumb. Yep. And then, and then you want to make sure if you're going with the needle, you don't want that that weak thimble action. You want some strong thimble action. That's right. That's right. You don't want that needle puncturing through the thimble. No, no, no. I hope people appreciate the KFG and Dre talking about thimbles. All right, because that's what everyone is here for. Uh, definitely not Bruce Lee or Kung Fu. I agree. Never. I'm all Bruce Lee out. You don't need to compete with Beardy or the other one. <laughs> the other one. I love how people think we're competing as if somehow we earn a living oh, doing this, as if somehow this makes a dent in uh, in in what I do at my school or anything like that. We do this for fun. This is basically Dre and I doing what we normally do, which is talk about Kung Fu when we're hanging out. And we do it in front of a camera. So the thing is, we're not competing with anybody because this podcast ain't making any money. All right. Uh, so um, not, not competing with B. Can you imagine? You know, like, can you imagine if Drea came to you one day and I'm like, you know, my real <laughs> with this podcast is to defeat Beardy. 
a nameless dude who lies about Bruce Lee to millions of followers. Like this has become my life goal. Not raising my kids, not teaching Wing Chun Kung Fu at the highest quality, not like, you know, enjoying life and everything to compete with Beardy. That's really why, and the other one, you know, you know, the other one, right? Like, uh, I don't know, Bruce Lee Fight Channel, Golden, the other one, right? Okay. Yeah. I would definitely get you downstairs into like the, the quickest transportation straight to Bellevue. That's right. Absolutely. What else we got that here? Be- I'll buy a KFG shirt from the Kung Fu Genius if he buys one from me. Why would I be a Kung- why would I buy a Kung Fu Genius shirt from someone else? That would be bootleg. Uh, <clears throat> what do you like to hear the KFG talk about? So that's the thing. Like obviously for the lives, we talk about whatever you guys want us to talk about. We just have a topic uh-huh. to kind of get things started, but uh, we're not limited to that. You guys can write in, and I'm more than happy to talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. But since Way we're here. More than happy. Um, one of our Patreons, uh, Frank Ortiz, someone who knows you, Dre, from back in the JKD yeah. days. Shout out to um, Franco. Yeah, he actually came up with this idea. Like he 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 asked me about two flubs from Way. Uh, I think one from Fist of Fury, one from Way of the Dragon. And then I wrote him back today, and I'm like, Yo, we're gonna do that topic today. And he thought he thought we were like psychically connected, right? And I'm like, Oh no, bro, I'm just totally stealing your idea. <laughs> uh... No, it's like we are directly inspired by your awesome question. This wasn't uh, parallel yeah. thinking or anything like that. So shout out to Frank O for the awesome, awesome question. Yes, so indeed. I'm going I'm to pull it up here. By the way, it's not like uh, I'm an expert on Bruce Lee film flubs. You can just go to IMDb. And for every movie on IMDb, they always list the goofs and the flubs. So what I did is I just went there and I just took a couple because these are old ass Chinese movies, man. I never knew they did that. Yeah, yeah, any movie you go there, they tell you goofs, continuity, errors, mistakes, all that kind of stuff. It's really interesting. Um, obviously, old ass Chinese movies, which were made in a rush on a, on a low budget w- without a lot of care. Does their flubs like when I saw the flubs on Big Boss, I was like, uh, I'm just taking like three, okay? I'm just taking three. <laughs> I saw all of them, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is crazy. And there were a few that I had off the list goes on and on and on. Yeah, so I'll tell you something funny. Do you remember? Okay, so let's talk about Big Boss real quick, all right? Right. Big Boss, he's in Thailand. It's his first big movie, whatever. You know the scene with the prostitute, the Thai prostitute, right? Yes. Everyone loves those scenes. It's like two scenes, right? So there are a couple flubs regarding her, all right? So the uh, the first one is, by the way, spoiler alert from anyone who hasn't seen the movie, right? I'm going to spoil 1971 (laughs) Big Boss for you. Um, okay. the, the prostitute gets killed by like the son, right? And uh, in that scene, she faces with her back to the door and then you hear the knife go and then she gets hit in the chest. How she get hit in the chest with her back to the door? Oh. Oh. <laughs> and apparently uh, there was a scene earlier when she shows, she shows Bruce Lee her boob or something and she's got like some scar or whatever. And then apparently like in the next scene, or when you see her next, the scars on the other boob or something like that. I read that. I don't, I don't know that off the top of my head. But there are a lot of flubs with that. Uh, you can imagine they were all like a little uh, nervous in that scene, right? No one was paying attention. There was no continuity person in that one there, right? Uh, there's also like a Bruce gets a deep cut in that fight scene. where he kicks the dude through the wall and you got the man-shaped hole. And he gets cut in the arm apparently. Cartoon cutout hole? Yeah, yeah, the cartoon hole. Yeah. She's so great. I love that hole. Physics, man. As if there was a perfectly perforated (laughs) man-sized shape and Bruce just happened to kick that guy right through there, right? Love it. Um, So apparently 
he gets cut in the arm on that scene. And then when he fights the big boss, which is supposed to be the next day, he doesn't have that cut on his arm. Oh, um, dude. There's one. Yo, there's, there's one. Yeah, he healed really quick, right? There's um there's one flub with the saw, but this is kind of a famous one because he kind of grabs the saw and does this to kind of go into the head. Apparently, that was a famous scene that was in the original version, or I should say that they shot it originally. There's even photographs of Bruce with the saw halfway through the dude's head. But apparently, that scene was, like, too violent, so it got cut out. And then now the big mystery about the big boss is, who has the scene with the saw in the head, right? Yeah. And it's it's pretty clear now that that thing is gone. That scene is it it will never see the light of day. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just it fell on the floor, the it got cut out. Who the hell knows? No one will ever find out. Uh, by the way, KFG probably has that scene. What was that, boss? Your seafood probably has that scene in the safe, <laughs> along with the with Hitman the, with the video, right? With yeah, the probably right. So um, let's see what else uh, Ice Factory see. Yeah, so that that's like, oh, you know, he jumps over the wall when he's going to go fight the big boss, right? Yeah. And while he's on his way there, he's got his crackers, right? And then when he jumps over the wall, he doesn't have his crackers. And then when he lands on the other side, he's got his crackers again after he kicks those two dudes or whatever, right? It's just like pretty amazing. Uh, some flubs are like understandable and some of them are like, you really you weren't paying attention to that? It's pretty amazing. Uh, um, so now I want to talk actually about the flub that Frank wrote about uh, in the Patreon message. And that mm. was um, in the fight scene with uh, Bob Baker, Bruce Lee's drug connection. You know what's so weird? After you found out the Bruce Lee drug letters with Bob Baker, I can't watch that scene with Bruce Lee and no. Bob Baker without just That's thinking right. about all that stuff. You know what I mean? He got drugs in his pockets. Yeah, he's got drugs in his pockets. He's, he's giving Bruce right. coke before every take. Here you go. Here you go, Sifu. Take their seagull, maybe. I guess technically uh, Bob Baker's Sifu was James E. M. Lee, so I, I guess uh, Bruce Lee would be a seagong. So, you know, he's giving drugs to his seagong or whatever, selling drugs to his seagong. So anyway, at the beginning of that fight scene, they're kind of going back and forth, and then uh, Bob Baker lands like three punches on Bruce, like bam, bam, and hits him, right? And then... He fires either the third punch or the fourth punch, I don't remember, and it misses by a mile. Right. And when he misses, it sets up Bruce to give him this kick, right? And then when, if, that was the first one that Frank wrote. And then he goes like, he basically asks, like, is that a mistake? Was that done on purpose for the sake of choreography? Because I actually had to go back and look at it. And when I looked at it, it's totally, totally true. There's like these punches that land on Bruce and then Bob Baker perhaps in a Coke-fueled uh, euphoria, fires this left punch in the middle of nowhere. It goes nowhere. It's not even close. And then Bruce gives him a kick. And, and it's one of those things, you might miss it when you see the movie. I certainly don't remember. Like, I didn't pay that much attention to it. And now that I saw it, I was like, oh. And, and then the, the, which kind of begs the next question, why didn't they cut it out or reshoot it, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if maybe... They missed it. Maybe the editor put in the wrong version or the wrong angle, or I don't know. But it's um, it's it's definitely interesting. It's uh, definitely going to make me go back and see these movies again. Yeah, absolutely. So you go to IMDb, you know, print time. print the list of flubs, and yeah. then watch the movie, right? And you see it with a totally new uh, uh, a new perspective. Now, there's another scene. All right, you know the famous scene in in Fist of Fury 
no dogs or Chinese allowed, right? And he can't go yeah. in. The Indian Sikh oh, doesn't yeah. let him in. And then the Japanese guys who are all played by Japanese actors are standing outside. And then Bruce jumps and kicks the famous sign, um, which um, that scene was shot in Macau. All right. And uh, I've actually been to that park. Uh, I even posted a photo a few wow. weeks ago on Instagram where I was holding one of my students up doing a jump kick. There's no actual sign there, but the gate looks identical. If you ever go there, it's like the Louis Camos Park in uh, in Macau. Very easy to find. Macau is a very small place. And when you okay. go there, it's like exactly the same like it was in the movie. But mm -hmm. this, is a this is a flub that I didn't need to go to IMDb for. When you see it, Fist of Fury is supposed to be like in the 1920s. Okay. And when you see that scene, everyone in it is dressed 70s style, butterfly collars, bell, everyone in the background walking like the extras, uh, not, not the principal actors, but the background extras are all 70s out. You can even see like some old cars and like 60s cars and stuff like that. And that stuff stuck out for me because it's like, wait a minute, they're not wearing the right thing. Uh so uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. That was one of the flubs I picked up on. Uh, also, and by the way, if you see the thumbnail of this live episode, you'll see uh, you know Bruce Lee about to deliver that death chop to Bob Baker, right? Okay. And the reason why I chose that is because that's also a flub from Fist of Fury, when he goes to kill Bob Baker with that final blow. I think it was a chop to the neck or something like that. Yeah. He holds his hair by the top. He grabs his hair by the top of the hair, right? And then in the next scene, he's holding it by the back of the hair. Oh. All right, so it's like the location change. Oh, so that was the reason why I used that as a uh, thumbnail for this episode. So uh, Vincent Lee, what's up, man? How you doing? Lai Lee, I hope I'm not pronouncing your name wrong. Thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, and looking at some of the comments here, a lot of people going back and forth complaining about, in an episode about Bruce Lee flubs, complaining about me talking about Bruce Lee. It's funny to watch people go like this as if somehow that's going to change what I'm going to talk about. Uh, so um, Chris Beery in the house from Ohio, we had a tomato warning or tornado warning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Talking about um, all the stuff that's going on in Ohio because it's uh, one of our students from our Ohio branch from Western Lotus Athletics out in Columbus. Shout out mm -hmm. to Chris. Um, Shout out to Chris. That's Not, Not Chris Beardy. Not Chris Cinematic Tendency in the house. Happy Monday. So good to see you. Uh, for you guys who don't know, uh, he's got a great channel. Oh, Cinematic Tendencies. I also did a um, an interview with him as well. So if you like movies, for like Van oh, Damme, nice. our movies and stuff, go check it out. Andy Loy, let's go. Thank you so much for joining us, Andy. Yeah. Andy said some great questions in the past. Uh, Frank O in the house. The dynamic duo is back. Thank you, Frank O. I hope you're the Frank O that we think. That, yeah. that we're thinking about. Sure, All right, thanks for your awesome question, sure. giving us the inspiration here. Uh, oh my God, look what Garrett T wrote here. Dre has hair. Whoa. So what's good? Is this is this your um, is this your semi-employed look? <laughs> Growing hair to be more respectable. Yeah, that's this is the interview look. The interview look. All right. You, so you don't you don't think it would be better to go totally totally shaved for the interview? You think having the scruff is the better look? I think uh, you want to you want to look at your almost best. Almost best. Almost <laughs> you you go to your boss. You're like, look, I just want you to know before we do this interview. Yes. Right now, I'm almost at my best. Almost. 
not but quite because I, I need to reserve that for when you give me yeah. this job. Yeah. But right now, I give you my almost best. Uh, yeah. What do we, so we oh we got Lord Vaughn. I think oh. Dre should keep the current hair amount. Wow. So a Ooh. lot of a uh, lot of comments about Ooh. your hair here. Ooh. Oh my God! Look at his Bradley Fogner. Oh my God! Dre with hair, dude. Maybe we picked the wrong topic. No one wants to talk about Bruce Lee film club. No. People want to talk about the his fact hair that follicles are on. Dre has fuzz on his head. Nice. David Reynolds. That's cool. cool movie poster. Yeah. Turn to the thirty-six chamber. Uh, no, oh, this this one behind me is the Prodigal Son. Yeah. with Samuel Hung and Yin Biu, very classic Wing Chun film. That's actually an original Golden Harvest print from 1982 or whatever. So, because I the thought you were talking about my my yeah, movie um, that here. that very well could be Return of the Thirty Six Chamber. That film was incoherent, much like <laughs> uh, much like the random patterns behind you, right? Yeah. Uh, yo. Topher says, yo, yo, by the way, it is yo, Topher's yo. birthday today. Happy birthday, Topher. Uh, out happy birthday. Occasional podcast co-host. Yes. And Wing Chun Sifu down there in Florida. Happy birthday, Topher. I hope you have a great one. Uh, that is boom. right. Yep, that's what's up. All right, so let's continue with our flubs here. All right, what else we got? Um, boom. Oh, so back to Bob. These are all Bob. Ba you notice most of the flubs are Bob Baker related. Bob Baker, do you think that had to do with the uh, fact that he was probably high off his gourd? Um, <clears throat> yeah, at the mm -hmm. beginning, when you see Bob Baker, he's like trying to impress all the Japanese students and he like drives the nails into the wood board, trying to show how tough he is. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, when he raises the plank, uh, apparently you see that only four nails went through the bottom. So he failed to <laughs> them. Also, as I recall, when Bruce, when Bruce walks into the dojo, when he first goes in there to lay waste to all of those guys, I think on the wall they have a photo of Morihei Yushiba, the founder of Aikido. And clearly when you watch the guys- I've never they're noticed doing that. Either judo or karate, right? Right, I've and never noticed not, that. Yeah, they're not- Yeah, I see that and I'm like, why is that geezer on the wall, right? And I mean okay. geezer respectfully, all right? Before people get all upset. Uh, so- now let's move to Way of the Dragon. Mm, uh, okay. There's another flub that Frank uh, mentioned, which is that in the scene in the airport at the beginning, apparently there's a girl picking her nose and picking a booger out of her nose or something like that, and that didn't get cut out. And he was wondering wow. if Bruce had knew that because Bruce was the writer and director. Uh, but who knows? I mean, those I things were- I them keeping it in just for giggles and, sh and shits. Yeah, it's it's possible. So I, um, I recently got um, an issue of- the Bruce Lee Forever Fan Club magazine from the UK. And it had this great article about the um, the premiere of Way of the Dragon in Hong Kong, which was, okay. I think, on December 21st or December 22nd, 1972. And that's interesting because yeah. um, it's kind of a weird time for a movie to come out in December, a Chinese that, film. That date. I don't know. I just remember shit like that. Um, but, uh, well, part of the reason is, too, because that's the same month that Grandmaster Yip Man died. Grandmaster okay. Yip Man died at the very beginning of December 72. And then uh, about three weeks later, Way of the Dragon premiered. So it was kind of a weird month for Bruce. His Sifu dies and he got blasted in the Hong Kong press for not going to the funeral. 
And then he has mm -hmm. arguably one of his best films come out that same month. So, but there was some controversy with Way of the Dragon when it was about to be released. And that was the interesting part of the article. Shortly before they were going to release it, they were going to edit a bunch of stuff out of the Chuck Norris fight scene. And uh, because the Hong Kong censors, and this is the official reason, because Bruce was Chinese and Chuck Norris was a Westerner, they felt that Bruce giving those, re I think it's, it's always a scene with the repeated kicks where it goes up, down, up, down, up, down. That's the scene that got edited in the UK. Apparently they were going to edit that scene in Hong Kong because, and this was in the article, it would make the foreigners, the Westerners, lose face or lose confidence because they're getting beat up by a Chinese person. And this is the Hong Kong censorship board. It's like they were so kowtowing to their British overlords. It's like, oh my, we cannot have a Chinese guy just laying an American actor to waste for fear of what this is going to do to the poor yeah. psyche of our British citizens here in Hong Kong. This is crazy, yeah, right? Some weird fear. Yeah, so apparently Bruce had to go over there, I think, with Raymond Chow, and they had to, like, you know, fight to keep that scene in. And and this is all, like, this was, like, in the previous month in November, they're still arguing about these scenes being in. And then December, the film finally releases. So you can imagine the stress that just a month early from the film releasing, they're trying to, like, take out scenes in, in from the fights and stuff like that. So very, and Bruce's Sivu dies and all this stuff. It's a very, very stressful time. So um, it kind of yeah. reminds me of a time where I want, I didn't want to beat beat somebody's ass because it was with their their lady, and I didn't want to beat that ass because I didn't want to embarrass him in front of his lady. I was just like, okay, man, just keep, just keep it moving, bro, keep it moving. But it, it kind of has that same feel. <laughs> you were worried, Don't right? Don't make me beat that ass, though. So. Yeah, yeah. It just reminds me a little bit of Clubber Lang from Rocky Three. Hey, you want to be with a real man? <laughs> After you stand over his unconscious, bloody body. <laughs> I must have seen all the Rockies at least 50 times within the past week or so. Uh, yeah, you're in, you're in that season awesome. staying at home. They're just... <laughs> they're, they're just on, <laughs> like, all over the place right now. Right. Every he channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Oh, man. Lupus, Rex, Regis... What are the chances of seeing Dan and Asanto joining KFG? Um, mm. This is actually a question I get pretty regularly. Dre knows we get this question every now and again. I would love to have Dan and Asanto on here. Yeah. Um, there's just a couple issues with that. I know I know people who, who train with Dan and Asanto, Sifu and Asanto, in his school in California. So I technically have some connection, but I personally feel a little weird going like, you know, hey, can you talk to your seafood to be on my pod? Like, I, I don't like to put my friends in those situations where they feel yeah. like I'm trying to take advantage of my friendship with them to get something. So I personally feel uncomfortable asking. Uh, and this is a very good friend of mine, uh, just mm -hmm. because I, I feel that it's just it's just not right in terms of the, of the relationship. Um, the other thing, too, is that I know that Dan Santos' wife is essentially his manager. And she okay. is like the iron curtain of you got to get through her to get to him. And well, I have let me, no rapport with her. Yes. Let me just point out that I've been um, with, you know, staying at home a lot. Like I've been texting him a lot. 
just, you know, we've been going back and forth, and he's a big fan of the podcast, apparently. Are you sure you're not Dreisen? <laughs> so, so here's the thing. So, so one, I think it's like, it's a little difficult for me to get to him in a way where I just, either if I just did it myself, I'd be coming off as like, can you can imagine how many people a month go like, hey, can you be on my podcast? Hey, can mm -hmm. I ask you a few questions? Hey, can I interview or whatever? He's Dan and Asanto, and I don't want to be just another one of those. Hey, can you be on? You know how many? Can you imagine how many people ask him to be on their podcast every month? It's kind of embarrassing, unless you have really strong rapport yeah. with someone. You just feel like what what makes what makes my podcast anything special for him to come on? Two, his wife is kind of a bit of an iron curtain from what I heard. So I don't know. I don't have any rapport with her. So I don't know. It might not be true. It might just be a rumor, but I don't know. And then the mm -hmm. third thing is like, you know, I, I'm a huge Bruce Lee fan, but I'm also the guy who did the Bruce Lee drug letter. So I don't know sometimes if um, people who don't know me personally, if they see like, oh, that's the guy who did the drug letters video, they might think I'm kind of a Bruce Lee hater, which anyone who actually watches this podcast knows it's actually the opposite. But I also right. believe in being free and open and transparent about our love for Bruce Lee and about even about the things that are not positive, because I think like that's all part of it. It's like people can be imperfect. This is actually what endears people, because despite the fact that they have flaws, they still did these great things. I think it would be less impressive if this person made no mistakes and was we admire amazing. the flaws more. Huh? Yeah. We admire the flaws more sometimes, you know? Absolutely. So... So I don't know if maybe the perception among some Jeet Kune Do cats is that I might be some kind of Wing Chun brute, like Wing Chun guy who's a bit of a Bruce Lee hater. Nothing could be further from the truth. But I, I worry sometimes that if these people have seen my face on the drug letters thumbnail, and then they're like, uh, not that guy. You know what That's I mean? So it's That's possible I might have burned some bridges in advance. So I don't know, though. But if anyone has a good connection with Sivu Inosanto and can put in a good word for me, and it's something he might be interested in, by all means, go and do it. I would love to have him on there. I just, I just don't feel it appropriate for me to seek that out. I just, I would, I would feel a little weird doing that. So, um, yeah, yes. I do, I do hear he's a big fan. I do hear this, and this is you hear a lot of things. So does Dre. Word on the street in Edison. Word on the street is. In there is no word on the street in Edison. All right, Axel Stone. Hey, Alex. I was wondering if you knew Bruce's limb length, especially his arms. We are the same height, and. It seems Bruce is also the same, although I think he was closer to 5'8", to be honest. Yeah, I'm also the same height as Bruce Lee. It's actually 5'7 and a half when you look at his medical records. He usually okay. gets as being 5'7. Sometimes people say 5'8, but it's 5'7 and a half, uh, which is the exact same height as me, uh, except I have a completely different body type from Bruce Lee. He, he looked like he had relatively long arms for someone his height. But in terms of what his actual wingspan, like did he have a 70-inch oh, reach, 71-inch reach? I have no idea. Um, but uh, I, I, I don't have that information, so it would just be speculation of the worst kind. Um, boom. I see that YouTube bots are attacking the live chat. That's what Arnell just said. Is that true? I don't see any bots on the live feed. I didn't see them here either. Yeah, you don't see any bots there anyway. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of, I, I suppose it's like, um, it's almost like a rite of passage that bots coming to you, right? Chat GPT takes over KFG. Interesting. Uh, Chat boom. GPT is a bot. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever have you used that Chat uh, uh, GPT AI thing? Have you tried that? No. You can add. Uh, so Chris Beery, who's here on the live chat, he should send you some funny. Actually, I posted them. Maybe you didn't oh, know what that yes, was. I did. I, I 
that's chat gpt got it yes he asked the uh, he asked the ai about bison. uh yes is, yeah, yeah. Oh, the man, ai had some good. very interesting uh very good. interesting things to say uh all right so what else uh boom chris beery i sell drugs to my seagong but he doesn't know much about drugs i hear <laughs> yeah i admitted that in the drug letters video i got i don't really know anything i've since doing that video become a mild expert in basics of cocaine because one i did a bunch of research after that video and especially in relation to bruce lee's death and then out of the woodwork everyone yeah. you knew or you know had used cocaine at some point like hey uh Cebu, like actually if you want to know a little bit about cocaine i'll tell you <laughs> and you're like oh. and then they like tell you everything about it. it's like things you didn't know yeah people so, you didn't uh, even you wouldn't expect to be like on that level you'd be like what the hell yeah you're surprised what people know steve richardson in the house thank you so much for joining us uh bruce lee was very highly skilled in jkd techniques even though uh, Lee studied Wing Chun for a relatively short period, did he perform Wing Chun at a very high level of competency? How skilled was he in Wing Chun? Well, that's a really good question. So, of course, the, the problem is we can only go off of the limited footage we have of him performing Chi Sao, mainly with Taki Kimura, a couple photographs here and there of him performing Wing Chun, a couple little bits that he used in little pieces of choreography, like in Fist of Fury, Way the Dragon, and Enter the Dragon. Um, and then, of course, we go on what his own students have said. So um, it's difficult to say because how we rate someone in Wing Chun is very subjective. Um, you know, if someone is a really good fighter, let's say, like this person is naturally a good fighter and they know Wing Chun. OK, so they have a very powerful punch. They're very good at closing the gap. They're very efficient and they're very they have the, the stuff of a fighter. OK, well, then how much of that person's skill is their Wing Chun and how much of it is the fact that they're a fighter? You know what I mean? So the problem is like people, people always want these very objective answers to the most subjective of questions. Okay. Like, like th th there's so much to unpack there. If we look, if like did Bruce Lee perform Wing Chun at a high level of competency? Okay. This is completely up to the individual. And if you ask, high level Wing Chun people, they're of course going to say no, because they're a bunch of jealous ninnies. No, he only learned the Chum Q, nah, 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 nah. as if Bruce Lee could come back in, back from the past into this time period, standing at his peak form at, let's say, 31 years of age, and stood right in front of the Wing Chun person who's just said that. I'm very curious if they would be of the same opinion in that moment. Not that physical fear of someone makes an opinion right or wrong. But I'm just saying like, people say a lot of shit about people that they never met. And they say a lot of shit about people that they've never been in the same room with. And I think yeah. you always need to be honest. You need to discuss things based on argumentation and facts and not feelings and not wish thinking. All right, yeah. there are people who, who practice JKD who want Bruce's Wing Chun to be high level because he's the founder of their art. There are people in Wing Chun who want Bruce's Wing Chun to be low level because he abandoned the art. So the problem is all of these opinions that you get from so-called experts are completely uh, filtered through their own personal likes and dislikes. So keyboard warrior stuff. Yeah, I mean, I would say Bruce Lee was relatively skilled in Wing Chun, though he didn't know all of it. Do you need to know all of it to be able to use it? No. So exactly, no. what is my assessment? 
it's taken for what it is. It, it, it doesn't have to mean anything. Um, you don't have to worry so much about what other people think. At some point, you can start to trust yourself. Stop putting so much confidence or confidence in the competence of so-called experts because they're all seeing it through their own lens and most of it don't realize that they're seeing it through their own lens. Um, boom. Uh, most experts like really experts. Who's on Coke. <laughs> That's funny. Excellent. Boom, boom, boom. Wow. All right. What do we got here? KFC Kentucky Fried Kung Fu. Wow, that's the first time oh, that wow. joke's ever been made. Wow. Someone, someone send, this guy, someone send this guy a Burger King birthday hat. He gets the prize. All right. Uh, boom. Adamant Underdogs. Dryson returns. Allegedly. Is Dryson here or is Dre here? Where is Dryson? Is he here? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, boom. The KFG makes up... <laughs> The KFG makes up fake Bruce Lee facts, signed, not Beardy. <laughs> Definitely, that would be something Beardy would say. Because first of all, Beardy is the number one expert on Bruce Lee. Oh, man. Shots fired by Garrett. Throw some respect on Dre's name. <laughs> Please, man. Is this live? No, yes, Bryson? it's live. Unlike most of our other episodes, this is, in fact, live. Uh, Mick Boswell, was it a cat or a rabbit uh, he was eating in the graveyard scene? Fist of Fury. Actually, Fist of Furry. Oh. <laughs> Perfect pun. Uh, I don't know what he was eating. Maybe meerkat. Who knows? Meerkat, yeah. Was, a lot yeah, of meerkat was, going around. It was the, the, the wooded area of Shanghai in the 1920s. You'll have to go and see what animals were indigenous to that area here. Um, boom. Dre looks badass with that hairstyle. Dre, you're getting some compliments. Appreciate I didn't think people would, would make such a big deal out of it, man. I mean, next next episode I come through and probably have a fro. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I'll let it grow. That, that could definitely work, man. That could definitely work. Uh, all right. We got a lot of happy birthdays to Topher. Happy birthday. Yes, happy too. birthday. Uh, Adam and Underdogs. Uh, Bruce Lee's Kung Fu after image from Fist of Fury is actually Bob Baker's POV when he's high out of his mind. Oh, I think you mean uh, this thing here, right? Where he's doing that thing with the hands, you know, going up and down, right? Um, except that I think he used that on the, the final guy he was fighting, the Japanese guy, I think. Or was that on Bob Baker? It's mm. been a while. I only watched the opening scene, uh, opening moments of that fight scene today to see that punch that was missed the one that frank talked about i don't know but maybe, maybe that wasn't with bob Baker, but you might be right if <laughs> that is actually a great observation when you see bruce's hands doing this it's like <laughs> it's bob baker's pov because he's high on psilocybin or whatever he's whatever he's he did one of those old school wrestling moves where he throws the coke in his in, like like dust coke dust yeah, and and maybe that's what bolo Actually, threw into Frank Dukes's eyes yes. in, um, in, dust. In, in, in yeah, in uh, in uh, Bloodsport, man. Uh, I was boom. watching Bloodsport last night, man, randomly because it came on right after Total Recall. It was just like, whoa, wow, perfect movie night. Like, Adamant Underdogs got the great comments. Girl picking her nose was totally written in to recontextualize the deep film meaning of the de-establishmentarianism of the underhanded political themes of the film, hashtag true story. <laughs> Bruce was definitely that far ahead when he was writing Way of the Dragon. There were some deep <laughs> themes in there. Yes. What Lord we got Mon next for Way of the Dragon Flubs? Yeah, uh, Lord Mon, I I'm, I'm starting okay, uh, up on Mon. Way of the Dragon just to catch this girl picking her nose. Yeah, I'm gonna yes. have to watch that again to to catch this, right? 
Um, so there's another flair. So let's finish some of the flubs and weigh the dragon. So you know when there's that gun when that there's that dude waiting in his house to shoot him, yes. and then he like beats that dude up. Well, when that dude later shows up to the boss after he got beat up, his face is all chilly. He's got a black eye. He's got all scratches. But Bruce didn't hit his face in when he beat him up. He did some weird like leg thing, which would have broken his. I think he did something like this or something like that. But like the 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 injuries that that guy has doesn't match what Bruce Lee did to him in the other scene, right? No. Um, yeah, and then there's no. another. There's another observation that was on IMDb about um, about Big Boss, which is uh, when after the final fight where the police come to arrest the mafia boss, all of the vehicles seem to be right-hand drive, including the boss's Mercedes um, and the police cars, which is clearly incorrect because in Italy they switched to uh, left-hand driving nearly 50 years prior. Mm. And most likely this scene was shot in Hong Kong as a former British colony used it on the right side. That's absolutely true. So that I know for a fact. What I think people sometimes forget is they only shot some exterior scenes in Rome. They got on a plane to yeah. shoot like the Colosseum from the outside and the fountains and just have some establishing exterior shots. Um, but they did that totally without permits. All of that stuff was shot. Like Golden Harvest was shooting without permits. And they went Love and shot all those exteriors there. But um, <clears throat> they didn't actually shoot the fight scene in the Coliseum. Sorry to tell anyone who didn't know that for whatever reason. Oh, and all of the other scenes, like in the Chinese restaurant and all that stuff, that's all shot in Hong Kong, man. So really, that besides those exterior established scenes and the establishing scenes and maybe even the airport scene, that was all shot in Hong Kong. So he's absolutely no. right. As a matter of fact, the Mercedes you see at the end is actually okay. Bruce Lee's Mercedes. And you know the crazy thing about it? You can see the license plate, and he didn't like blur it out or hide it. And that's that like AZ six one five zero, whatever the license plate, which was Bruce Lee's. You see photos of Bruce Lee with his car yeah. in Hong Kong, and it's the same license plate. It's like he didn't, he didn't even like care to black out his license plate for wow. his own movie or something they like didn't that. Make, they didn't make that in the flub list, though. Right? No, they did. They didn't. Well, yeah. Apparently, the person who wrote that flub didn't know. Like, actually, the Mercedes yeah. was Bruce Lee's Mercedes, which was gifted to him from Raymond Chow. Um, but yeah, you're right. All, all of those cars were on the other side of the road. You can see clearly that scene when when they're all where they have that fight scene before they go to the Coliseum, where okay. Wang and Sick and all those guys are out there, where the guy stabs the the waiter and all that stuff. That's most likely shot in Sai Kong in Hong Kong. Um, okay. <clears throat> like this big open field out in Sai Kong, okay. uh, um, or if someone out there knows uh, maybe more specifically where it is, I assume it was shot out in Sai Kong. Because it looks like the same location, the same Saikong location where Bruce shot some other stuff, uh, some still mm -hmm. photographs with the nunchucks and stuff. So I'm just assuming it's the same spot. But yeah, absolutely right. Mo majority of that film was shot. When you see them fighting in the Coliseum, it's right. just a, a fake background of the Coliseum. But that's like, that's at Golden Harvest Studios. So uh, let me, let me catch up on comments here a little bit. Yes. Um, boom. All right, so uh, the Norris fight was shot from another camera angle. It's out there amongst collectors, most likely. I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff there amongst collectors. By the way, um, the original idea for Way the Dragon did not include actually fighting any Westerners. Uh, originally, Bruce wanted the bad guy to be a Japanese karate guy. Um, but perhaps uh, at the last minute, they thought it was a better idea to kind of fight like the big Guaylo, the big American. Um, but in Bruce's original ideas for Way the Dragon, 
he actually wanted to have the actor Chen Sing, who was a famous Kung Fu actor at that time, play the bad guy. And he wanted Lam Ching Ying to play the role that Wong In Sik played. So the original mm -hmm. idea was actually that those were all Japanese guys, even though they would be played typically by, uh, by Chinese guys. Um, Cinematic Tendency, thanks for the shout out, KFG. Tomorrow on my YouTube channel, I'll be showing my son, Eight, the trailer of Game of Death. That's right, he shows his son different movies and trailers and stuff like that, introducing him oh, wow. to the best stuff that's out there. So that is awesome. Oh, okay. Jimmy Shaw, hey there, Google Genius. Did you hear the story about Bruce Lee beating Bolo Young in an arm wrestling contest? It was told both on the Bruce Lee Real Fight channel, also by Golden Bell channel. I did hear that story. Um, and as a matter of fact, Dre's hero, uh, Chan Wai Man, is supposedly, supposedly the one who witnessed it. Although I never heard of it, uh, I never heard any story of Chen Wai Man showing up to the set of Enter the Dragon. But not every, you know, there was no internet back then, so like every single movement someone did wasn't like posted on Twitter that day. Like, hey, I'm on the set of Enter the Dragon. So, so I mean, the thing is, we we literally don't know. If only we had Twitter back then. If only we had Twitter. Back they then. had Twitter. Yeah, I quit Twitter about six months ago. I was like, I, I can't do it. I heard. I heard. Not awful place to be. Um, if Twitter were a place, you would never go there. Um, my girls just walked in, so. Hey! Uh, yes, they're here somewhere. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, I did hear Bol uh, Bolo supposedly losing to Bruce Lee in an arm wrestling contest. Whether that's true or not, who knows? Supposedly, Chan Wai Man told the story, but that the problem is... broke Bolo's brain. <laughs> this is all third-hand, fourth-hand stuff. Well, a couple, couple things. If you look at Bolo around that time, Bolo was a professional bodybuilder, Okay. He, I think he was Mr. Hong Kong for a number of years in a row. But mm. if you know anything about bodybuilding and you know anything about the physiques of bodybuilders, then you would know that Bolo's physique show. in Enter the Dragon was what they call way off season. Okay. When you see, uh, like, if you see a Bolo's son, David Young, who's like a Bolo yeah. Jr., he calls himself, he's on Instagram. He'll occasionally post these amazing old photos of his dad back in the bodybuilding days from the 70s. And when you mm -hmm. see Bolo when he was like in peak form for competition, he was cut and striated and just muscle on top of muscle. I mean, very impressive. But All when right. you look at him and Enter the Dragon, he was, yeah, he was big. He was Bolo, but he was actually um, not, in, not in competition shape. He was not he was very lean. He was a little okay. on the heavy side and stuff. So it's possible that an off-season Bolo who's not training that much and Bruce is training lots of tendon ligament strength like a maniac might have had an edge, especially if Bruce had some better... Because arm wrestling also has some technique involved. So it's not mm -hmm. out of the realm of possibility. The problem is that this is a story told to someone, told to someone, told to someone, told to someone who changed it five to Who knows? Who knows? Um, so it's, it's always, it's always difficult to, um, uh, to quantify these things. Random Q, whatever happened to George Tan, I actually talked about this on a recent episode on one of our pre-recorded episodes. Might've been the last one with you. Might've been with Mikey Dean, uh, George Tan. I was given his contact information from Siva Langting 20 years ago, and I've not been able to find this guy, uh, who's, mm. who produced a couple documentaries, including some about Bruce Lee's death. Apparently is kind of an insider and lives it lived at least at some point in New York, but um, I cannot uh, for the uh, for the life of me get a hold of this guy. But to be fair, I also haven't tried for about eighteen years. Um, KFG doesn't want to ruin his shot to S Dan. I really would love to see him on the show someday. Me too, man. But like you know, if anyone is out there who's not going to ruin a shot, like people who legitimately know him, 
Don't send them an email and be like, yo, will you be on the KFG podcast? And then send me an email. Uh, email them. They said they did. don't. Okay. If, no. Only if you have a personal relationship yeah. and it's not, you know, uh, weird. Or just like, yeah. Okay. Don't Young make it weird. In the house. In the scene uh, in Fist of Fury, Bruce kicks a sign that's actually Yunwa playing one of the Japanese actors. Yes. You can see Yunwa, famously Bruce Lee's stuntman from Enter the Dragon is one of the mm. Japanese guys there. By the way, even though that gate scene was shot in Macau, when Bruce actually jumps in the air and kicks the sign, you only see the sky in the background. That was shot at Golden Harvest Studios. So the kick that breaks the sign was shot in Hong Kong. <laughs> the, the entrance oh, no. uh, scene is, uh, is, is in Macau there, right? They tricked us again, man. They tricked us Never again. Tricked. Uh, oh, KFG asked Shannon to get CB Santo. She can plug her Be Water book. Um, so uh, I don't know how much you know about my podcast, but a uh, year ago or two years almost, I did a, something called the Bruce Lee Drug Letters. All right. And I think that that disqualifies Shannon from ever coming on my show. Uh, you need you need to read the room a little bit, okay? I've also not always said the nicest things about Shannon. Obviously, she's the daughter of Bruce Lee, so respect to her for that. But I don't respect all of the decisions she's made in mm. regards to the Bruce Lee estate. That's not a personal attack. I just feel that there are a lot of times when she did not make the right decision. Now, of course, look, if any one of us were in charge of the Bruce Lee estate, would every single decision we make be the correct thing? Would all the fans love it? Absolutely not. I understand what a difficult position she's in, but I also think that in terms of respecting her father, she could do a lot better. And to be honest, all right, I'm not interested in a book written about Bruce Lee by Shannon. Shannon was what, three years old when her father passed away? There are people alive today who knew Bruce Lee way better than she did. And she can look at his notes. She has access to all that stuff. But what, what does she have to offer in terms of insight that people who knew Bruce Lee very, very well, or just looking at Bruce Lee's own notes, wouldn't give you in a better way? All right. I'm not super interested in what she has to say. She, this is also the woman who sold her father's likeness to Johnny Walker and let him speak Mandarin in the community. Okay? <laughs> no. So, no. Okay. People, let me ask you a question. Last yep. time you hung out with her, did she did she confront you about your uh, the way you feel about her? No, because when I met Shannon, it was before we did this podcast. No, so she didn't. The the only way she would have known me is that every time on Twitter, when she made a mistake, a factual error about her father, I would always yeah. retweet it with the correct <laughs> thing. Like she like she would put like a photo of her father with Raymond Chow. And yeah. um, uh, that actor, who's that Eurasian actress, uh, Nancy Kwan. And yeah. then so there's a photo of Bruce and Nancy Kwan and Raymond Chow. And she's like on the she's like on the set of The Wrecking Crew, which was like in 1968 or 1969. But that's a problem because Bruce Lee did not meet Raymond Chow until 1971 or 1970 at the earliest. So how could how could and why would Raymond Chow be on the set of The Wrecking Crew in Los Angeles? in 1969 uh -huh. before Bruce Lee even met him. Nancy Kwan actually went to Hong Kong around the time Bruce Lee was there. I think she had even made some films and Bruce met with Nancy Kwan in Hong Kong a number of times. Oddly enough, Nancy Kwan plays Ruby Chow in Dragon the Bruce Lee Story and yeah, they actually, okay. really, they actually really knew each other in real life, which is kind of interesting. Cool. Yeah. 
uh, Arnell, just like people making Mike Tyson pronunciation jokes when Mike Tyson is not around. Yeah. As I've said many times on the podcast, how does every Mike Tyson joke begin? By looking over your shoulder. All this right? is why Eddie Murphy is the true GOAT. Eddie Murphy? Eddie Murphy was the only one that had the balls to make a Tyson joke right next to him. That's right. And also back when Tyson was a little more the Tyson yes. of old. The, the, yes. the Tyson nowadays... I would I would never imitate Tyson even in front of Tyson today. <laughs> but yeah. if there's a Tyson to do that in front of it would be Mike Tyson See, today, not Mike Tyson yeah. 20 years ago. Because he's so docile these days. He's so yeah. he just wants to chill. He doesn't want to go off at the handle anymore. But right. back then that's all he wanted to do. So yeah. That right, right, sense. right. Lord Vaughn, I, I could have sworn I read a publication that said Bruce Lee can bench press 160 uh, pounds. For three uh, sets of ten reps, am I the only one who ever saw this? Yeah, but I mean, given uh, Bruce Lee's size and strength, that's not super impressive. That's, I mean, I'm not like a big bodybuilder type, but like, that's also what I bench. So you know, I, I would assume Bruce could bench what I can bench too for three sets of ten reps. This is not, this is nothing crazy. Um, this is absolutely Damn. nothing crazy. Um, boom. That's some, low, that's some low weight you bench in there, Steve. That's. <laughs> Well, bro, you know, like everyone says, if you lift weights too much, you're going to be all muscle bound. You're not going to be able to move, bro, which is like, no. Uh, so anyway, uh, what else we got here? The Humble Batman Collector. Hi, from the UK. I trained with Dan and Larry Hartzell, late 80s, and Bob Breen in the UK. It put me on the right track. Didn't think uh, big at the time, but great times. How did Bruce inspire you at the beginning? Well, that's a great question. Uh, wow. Well, Bruce... Well, to say, how did Bruce inspire me at the beginning? Bruce was my inspiration at the beginning because um, yeah, you were I, like you were like sick at home as an eight. I was sick at home, and my dad rented Enter the Dragon. I saw Enter the Dragon, and I was like, "What is this sorcery? I want this." Uh, you so aren't sick anymore after that. Yeah, everything I did, the fact that I teach Wing Chun for a living, the fact that I'm overly obsessed with martial arts in general, uh, and the fact that I have this podcast and regularly talk about Bruce Lee and obviously other topics that are near to my career, like Wing Chun. Uh, is all because of that inspiration I got when I was eight years old. Knitting. Um, and, you know, and even my love for other martial arts. Like, uh, you know, what I often find disappointing about Wing Chun people is uh, you can't have a conversation with them about anything outside of Wing Chun. Because either they think that, you know, Wing Chun is the best F the rest, all right, which is just an attitude that I hate. Um, even if people think that's just, just like it's such an ignorant attitude to start. You know from. what I think is the best martial art still to yeah. this day? Taibo. Everyone yeah. knows that though. Taibo is the best. It's right? always been the best. We are, all, we, are all, we are all lagging behind Taibo yeah. by far. Um, and, and the other thing is like so most Wing Chun people, they, they don't think any other martial artists we're talking about. They also rarely have any deep knowledge of anything outside of Wing Chun. And sometimes mm -hmm. I find even a lot of Wing Chun people don't even have that much knowledge about their own lineage, like the history and the nuts and bolts, let alone anyone else's. So I find the fact that I'm into all these different things also a huge inspiration from, from Bruce Lee looking at other stuff and going like, I feel just as comfortable sitting and watching a judo match, watching combat karate, watching MMA, watching UFC, uh, watching a chi Sao demonstration, watching someone at a high level perform tai chi watching wrestling boxing We're like i love all this stuff the, the fact that i can be a wing chun sifu uh and still like that other stuff should not make me an exception it's the it's the overly tribalistic guys 
who who it's like oh I'm a Wing Chun guy who also likes to watch karate. Oh wow, you're but you're amazingly open-minded. It's like that that's most of these guys are way too close-minded. Um, boom. Was Bruce the first Asian to teach non-Asians? Were there some non-Asians that learned karate, take what your judo uh before Bruce started for sure. Uh Bruce may have been one of the first to start teaching Wing Chun to Caucasians. He may not have actually been the first, but he might be one of the first. But he was certainly not one of the first Asians to teach Asian martial arts to non-Asians. That, that is, um, no, absolutely not. Uh, that uh, I don't know who the first one was. Certainly wasn't Bruce. Ark Wai Wong, who's famous Shaolin Kung Fu master in Los Angeles, was teaching Westerners in Chinatown, I think in the 20s and 30s. Um, so no, in that. So the whole idea that like the Chinese societies were after Bruce Lee for teaching their secrets, it's like I've debunked that stuff multiple times on the podcast. That is just a bunch of hot nonsense. Pat 60, 670, Psycho Kickboxer is the greatest martial art film of all time. Have you ever seen this movie? What? Have no. you ever seen Psycho Kickboxer? I've never even heard I've of it. I've never heard of it. Wow. Um, Lord Mon update. I have not seen anyone picking their nose yet. All right. It might oh, be, uh, it might already be in the cut. So, all right. What else we got here? Boom. Bob Wall said he knocked out Samo three times while filming their fight in G.O.D. Uh, I heard that too. Um, the late Bob Wall was someone who was definitely susceptible to exaggeration. And um, <laughs> he... He was a little bit worse than Chuck Norris. Uh, Chuck Norris is mildly bad at this. Bob Wall, in my opinion, was way worse than this. If you don't like Bob Wall's opinion on something, uh, just uh, wait 10 minutes. He'll tell you something else. Tell you a different one. Yeah. Bob Wall also wow. sold in auctions to fans his uniform, the yellow uniform that he wore as O'Hara. Um, I don't know how many times he sold that thing to people. Seemingly, he always found another one he wore in the movie. Wow. And then shortly before he passed away, he was like wearing oh, it, I think. And it's like, how many oh, fans me. bought this thing, the authentic oh, one from the movie, right? So, so first of all, Sammo Hung is an absolute professional when it comes to film choreography. And the, the, the idea that Sammo Hung would think he was going to fight Bob Wall, who's like a professional karate fighter, no. I, I find that very hard to believe. I find very hard to believe that that was anything but Bob Wall's fantasy that really makes no sense this doesn't this is not how Samo Hung operates i Man. wonder uh, what grandmaster baxter would say about dan inasanto <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey buddy you look familiar uh junction street tigers three years ago i went to rome sat on the same bench bruce sat on with melissa longo in in way of the dragon cool experience yeah it's um uh dre also has his own experience being somewhere where bruce lee was when we were in hong kong the parking lot. The parking lot. Yes, there was a photo shoot that Bruce Lee did. Ooh, did the whole Bruce Lee photo shoot. Yeah, at what's now the Harbor City Mall in Tim's Atoy, where he was, he was like doing jump kicks and and there was like the yeah. the, the hotel in the background and you could see the uh, the clock tower there in Tim's Atoy. It's changed a little bit. There are a lot more buildings there, but the um, parking lot is still there. Mm -hmm. So when I do my um, uh, Hong Kong Kung Fu tour this uh, summer in in August. Uh, which, by the way, I'll just put that on the scroll for you guys who are interested. Um, that's one of the places where I take people. Uh, like I took Dre. And then what we did is we recreated the photo. That photo is on your uh, Instagram somewhere, I think. And that was yeah. totally dope. It's always cool to be like in those places where 
Bruce Lee was, the Qingshan Monastery, all these different places. It's yeah. euphoric, man. It was something. Uh, yo, our good friend Sivu Vincent Benitez, Fist of Interception Institute. Her George Tan is on the run. Interesting. I don't know enough about George Tan. I just know that he directed, uh, produced, I think, some documentaries like uh, the the uh, the one about uh, Death by Misadventure, and then the other one is on the something run. Later in the title. Um, and uh, yeah, so I don't know. Who knows? Um, boom. All right. So what we else? Have we have time to get into the ETD flubs. Oh, the ETD flubs. You're right. So uh, as I said at the beginning of this broadcast, I, I, I basically went to IMDb and I looked up all the different flubs. But there's were a couple of flubs that I knew off the top of my head, like I talked about before for the other films. But there's one flub that uh, is in Enter the Dragon that is so good. It's so good. Um, one. So at the end, you know, when uh, when Sekin Han starts mm-hmm. calling out for all of those guys to start fighting, you know, Wong Chong, right? Okay. And he's yelling at all these guys to go and go and fight, right? Uh, which, by the way, he was voiced by uh, the uh, American Chinese actor Key Luke, who was, who was Poe in the Kung Fu TV series, the blind guy. Um, and so, and once you know that, you know, he's the snatch the pebble from my hand guy from the Kung Fu TV series. And once you know that you can't help, but hear that voice when Han talks and enter the dragon. Right. So, uh, when Bruce and Han start fighting at the end, all right, you know, Bruce has got a shirt off. He got a couple claw marks from, from Han and, you know, they're going back and forth because they started in the courtyard and then they made their way into like inside the palace, right. Where the armory was. Right. And so once Bruce, you know, that whole scene is a melee where you have all these extras going at it. So you got all the white karate gi guys and then you got the black prisoners. By the way, there's another flub with that I'll talk about in a moment. And they're all fighting. And then it was actually really smart in terms of the visualization because think about it. They would do these pan out shots of everyone fighting and you have all the prisoners in black and all the karate guys in white. So that meant that when you panned out, you could still kind of see who the bad guys were and who the good guys were. I don't know if they did that on purpose, uh, besides having uniforms for everyone, but like that made it right. very visual. You could see who's fighting whom. And then Sekin has a brown suit on and Bruce is bare chested. So even Sekin Han and Bruce Lee's character stand out in the sea of yeah. white gi and black gi guys, right? Okay. And so they're fighting, and then there's one pan-out shot where you see the whole courtyard, which were tennis courts, by the way. If you ever look at the courtyards where all the extras are doing their karate, even though it's supposed to be Shaolin Kung Fu, you can actually still see the lines of the tennis courts uh, on the ground, which they kind of tried to rub off. That was shot at the American Club in Hong Kong in the tennis courts, right? So after Bruce and Han start fighting, then there's this pan-out shot of the whole courtyard where you see everyone going at it. And when you look at this whole random like mess of all these people, you see Bruce in the crowd because his shirt is off. And what is Bruce doing? He's directing extras where to go. Uh, you like He's pointing this guy, go over here, you go over there, you go over here. And Han, Sakin is just like leaning on a lamppost or something like that. <laughs> and I can't believe that that version, uh, because I'm sure they had a bunch of those scenes where like the editor was not paying attention. Um, so that, that was a flub that I knew off the top of my head. Um, oh, I yes. gotta see that. Also, so you know that Han's left hand is a fake hand, right? Spoiler, right? Before it's revealed that Han's hand is like a fake hand, you know, when he changes after he beats uh, Jim Kelly's character, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he takes it off and you see that, oh, he's got a fake hand. 
in some of the scenes prior to that, you can actually see his left hand moving. Like in some of those other scenes. Yeah. So it's like, if you pay attention to that, you'll definitely see it. Also, so back to the whole thing with the prison guards. Um, oh, yeah. The prison guards, when Han shows John Saxon's character, uh, um, all those guards, he goes, these are all old drunken men who no longer care where they wake up or whatever, right? I might be confusing that with the version that's in Kentucky Fried Movie. But then oh, when wow. they're all let out to fight, they're all younger dudes. You ever notice that? No. So when you see the prisoners, they have the show, they're like all these old disheveled Chinese dudes, right? And then when they go out, they're like all, they're just stuntmen. <laughs> so like, they're suddenly no longer these old guys anymore, right? They age, they age down quite a bit. I gotta see that. That's crazy. Yo, yo, check this out. Franco, $50 donation. (laughs) Excuse me. Yo, Franco, thank you so much. Well, hey, we wouldn't have an episode without you today. I was scrambling to figure out what to talk about today. Um, Appreciate it. Amazing. Uh, KFG, I'm the same guy who sent you the questions earlier today. Thanks for taking the time to answer them. It's great to see you and Dre together again. Thank you so much. Thank you for supporting us on Patreon. Shout out to Franco. Appreciate the live chats. That is totally badass, totally cool. Really appreciate it. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, also back to the hand issue. Do you know when Han is showing uh, you, you, a roper the, the, his operation, right? Because he basically wants to recruit him. And then you see the skeleton of his hand. Oh, and yeah. then what is that? And he goes, ah, a souvenir, right? Uh-huh. But obviously the implications that's his hand that he lost right uh-huh. and at the very beginning of the movie there was a throwaway line where bruce lee asked what about guns and they're like no guns he had a bad uh, accident with one and he doesn't allow him on the island so you assume somehow his hand was shot off by a gun or something like that so when you see that there does the the skeleton is not marred by any kind of bullet thing or whatever but also the other problem is it's a right hand and han was missing um was it his right hand or his left? I think it's his left hand. Um, missing his left hand. Yeah. So either way, it's the wrong hand from the one that he's missing. So um, oh, no. yeah. So just like some kind of like. Oh no. Oh no. One of the main ones I got. So by the way, if you guys are interested, you can go to IMDb. You could do this for any movie, but if you're interested in the Bruce Lee movies, you go in there, and it has a section on goofs. And there's a, there are a lot more goofs than what we went today. But you know, it would just it would get a little pedantic, I think, if we went through every single one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, that's that. Uh, Josias Avertis, do you think that Bruce Lee was so fast? Maybe he possibly did cocaine. Maybe he was a hyper person, more hyped up, or maybe too much caffeine. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, I think what people generally tend to miss about the whole Bob Baker letters revelation is that okay. even when you just track what's going on in there, the use of certain substances like that, we're really talking about the last three years of his life, okay? We're really talking about a little bit before he started making those films, and then that all ramped up as he started to earn more money making those movies. We're not, the the Bruce Lee you're looking at in the, you know, in 1967 or at the Long Beach demonstrations, this is is not a coked out Bruce, okay? Um, From everything (laughs) you can gather. So the problem with those revelations, and this is a problem with this information in general, is people don't contextualize these things on timelines. They just go, oh, there were some letters came out where it said this, ergo, he must have been doing it since the day he got off the boat from Hong Kong. And no, we're really talking about a relatively short period of for the harder stuff uh, towards the end there. 
So, um, yeah. So anyway, that's important to keep in mind. Well, hey, man, an hour has already gone through. Let me just go through some of the final comments. Yes, go ahead. Uh, speaking of cocaine, have you seen Cocaine Bear yet? I have not seen it, but a bunch of the students at City Wing Chun say, hey, we have to go see that movie. Oh, yeah. So um, we're maybe, uh, you know, now that I'm back from Florida, we will arrange it a, a, a day, maybe this week or next week to go yeah. see it. I definitely want to go oh, see yeah. it. Did you see I it? Do too. No, not yet, but I'm, I was thinking about watching it uh, soon. Yes, absolutely. Look off the rails. Well, it's supposedly based on a true story, but I actually read the account of what really happened and it was nothing like that. Uh, the bear, you know, basically is cocaine dropped to some guy. Some police officer was smuggling cocaine and some of this fell out of a plane and a, a bear got into it. But apparently the bear just ate it and died right away. It's, it's, not, it's not like the bear went on some kind of coke fueled rampage or something like that. Oh, so no. so to say it's loosely based on a true uh, story is a bit of a stretch. That's a little sad then. A little yeah. sad. A bit of a stretch. bit of a stretch. Yeah. Uh, Peter, uh, did Bruce use a trampoline to fly kick Kareem to the head side view behind the scenes footage we see in Game of Death, or was this done on aid? I don't know. I have the feeling actually he did it without, um, without the aid of a trampoline, but I could be totally wrong. I don't see a trampoline in there, and some of the still shots indicate that he jumped off the floor, but was there maybe a trampoline off camera or something like that? I don't know. You would have to maybe talk to someone like Steve Carriage. Uh, to get a better answer on that. Um, I, I don't know off the top of my head. Um, well, also one thing too, like obviously Bruce could jump really high, but one of the things that makes jump kicks look higher and better is how well you tuck your bent leg, you know, the non-kicking leg, all right? Mm. Because, it, you know, when people, anyone can jump and do a jump kick, but the other leg is kind of like dangling down there. It doesn't look impressive. But if you could do a jump kick and tuck your non-kicking yeah. leg as tight as you can, like under your knee, then it gives the impression of more height. If you want to see a really badass jump kick, uh, our boy Bruce Willow on Instagram, at Bruce Willow, or at the, I think it's at Bruce Willow, his profile photo is just doing this sweet flying yeah. kick and you see that leg tucked in. Looks beautiful. All right, I love that. He's not a leg dangler. Not a leg dangler, all right? Um, if someone wants to cross train, is it better to do similar arts like grappling with another grappling, striking art with another striking? Is it better to do one first before the other? Um, this is, again, a very specific, it's a very almost general question that would require specific answers based on the situation someone was in. Uh, when it comes to cross training, um, I've talked about this a few times on the podcast. For some people, it's great. They are able to contextualize info that they get from different martial arts and put it together in a way and synthesize it in a way that makes sense. And other people train in multiple arts at the same time and they just get confused, okay? Uh, because if someone is standing in front of you and they throw a punch, okay? Well, if you're doing Wing Chun, you might either try to hit the person before he launches the punch. If he already launches the punch, you might slip to the side as you go forward and perform some simultaneous offense and defense. If you were a boxer, you might avoid it and then come back with a combination or slip it to the side and give a punch. If you're a grappler, you might cover up, go in for a clinch and take them down. So the question is, when you cross train, when someone throws that punch at you, which one are you going to do? Okay. Are you going to do, do simultaneous action? Are you going to slip it like a boxer? Or are you going to clinch the guy and wrestle him? Right? So for some people, they can integrate these different types of arts easily. And for other people, they will just go, oh, crap, a punch at me. Do I do the Wing Chun thing, the boxing thing, the wrestling thing, or what? So the problem is that this is different for everyone. Um, we got a couple more um, a couple more in here. Whoa, David Reynolds, 
$499.99. Wow. Thank you so much. I don't even know, I don't even know what to say to that. That is insane. Uh, all right. So Dre, wow. if, we go, if we go to see Cocaine Bear, I'll pay for your ticket. <laughs> Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Really appreciate that. That is totally badass. That is, uh, more more than yeah. uh, uh, supporting us. That is really fantastic. Thank you so much. Absolutely humbled. That is totally, totally beautiful. We have another oh donation here from Thomas Richards. Uh, a uh, seven ninety nine. I don't maybe that's Australian or I don't know what what the A is. Uh, uh, look at the question. That's a great question. Yeah, has there been any confirmation on whether the battle cries were actually his voice or not? That yes. So I actually talked to someone named Darren Chua. Sorry, my doorbell's ringing in the background. Who is actually the guy who helped Steve Carriage do the research on his books? Now I don't want to misquote because he actually did give me the answer, but it was a couple months ago. So I, 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 I'm always careful to, to, to repeat something that I haven't looked at for a while because I don't want to misspeak. But it would seem that actually Bruce Lee, you know, because all those films were a shot without sound and then they were dubbed later, oftentimes by a Mandarin speaking actor. Uh, and so not Bruce Lee, but apparently Bruce um, did his own battle cries. Uh, so that was something that he did. So that was something that he was into now. Uh, there's another interesting thing. Now, right now, I, I don't have the info in front of me because I'm using the computer to do the live stream. My phone is is here with this other information. So I'll, I'll leave it to you guys to figure this out. If you go to YouTube and you type in Way of the Dragon theme song. Now, I'm not right. talking about the one that happens at the beginning, you know, you know, the drums and everything with the. There's actually a sung song, Way of the Dragon. Um and it's sung by like a crooner who sounds a little bit like Tom Jones. He's like the way of the dragon, right? That kind of thing. And what? it was that was a, that was actually the theme song for Way of the Dragon. For, uh, un unfortunately, I don't have the person's name in front of me right now. I'm sure anyone who can look it up real quick would be able to to find that out. And in that song, uh, Bruce actually recorded the battle cries in that song. So while I cannot 100% say if it's his voice doing all the battle cries in like Fist of Fury or Big Boss, one place where you can actually hear Bruce Lee for sure, Bruce Lee doing the wah, is in this theme song, which they ended up not, I think it's only for the American release of that film. Okay. Uh, and you can look it up on YouTube and listen to it. And those cries are actually Bruce Lee's voice doing those. So that lends a little credence to him actually doing it. Yeah. From Way of the Dragon. Way of the Dragon, yes. All right. Okay. As a matter of fact, Dre, why don't you just talk for a second while I look that up? Because I feel it's yeah. worth it for me. So no, definitely. Um, thank you, so Thomas just thank Richards. You. Thank you, Thomas Richards. What was that? Thank you, no, uh, Thomas Richards, for the uh, for the donation as well. He, he uh, sent us seven ninety nine. That's a good. That's a good uh, number because I remember. Back in the day, paying for a uh, a pair of three four stripe Adidas pants, and they cost seven ninety nine. Four stripe Adidas pants. Four stripe Adidas. I was like, man, these are good. These are good price. But realizing it, it was a four stripe, and I thought they were three stripe at the time when I got them. So I was getting <laughs> steal, but no, that that wasn't what was happening. 
It was actually four strikes, and I didn't notice until I got home. It was like, damn. Yeah, okay, so I'm just doing a quick search. I don't have the guy's name with, with me right now, so unfortunately I can't really find it. Um, but it's there. I'll, I'll, I'll post it in the in the comments after the yeah, stream. I'll, I'll be able to find it. Just a little difficult to do while I'm uh, while I'm streaming here. Uh, but it's it's pretty amazing because you can actually hear Bruce Lee, uh, Bruce Lee's real voice. Um, no, it's it's not the Joseph Koo one. Uh, I know about Joseph. It's not the Joseph Koo one. It's actually uh, somebody with a totally different name. He's like in the dragons. Like it sounds. It's like very Tom Jones esque, right? Uh, yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, wow, this has been a lot of fun. Um, yeah. You know. Uh, Film flubs are, are really interesting. I, it would be kind of cool to see some film flubs for some uh, non-Bruce Lee movies as well. I mean, Shaw Brothers had a lot of that stuff. Golden Harvest had a lot of that stuff. We're talking low-budget movies that were cranked out very quickly are bound to have tons and tons of mistakes. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the, the way. Awesome, awesome thoughts. Yeah. Wow, this has been a fun episode. This was a fun episode and it was great seeing you again. And by the way, I think we're going to go back to doing some pre-recorded episodes soon. But if we can't get one recorded this week, we might be in for another live next week. And okay. uh, and then, uh, but we'll we'll definitely get back in the studio and record some new bangers for you guys. By the way, I have a special episode hitting on Wednesday, and this was an episode that was just for my Patreon supporters. And I, it's just it's just me, so I don't have a co-host. And I answer questions from both Instagram and Patreon. And I had it uh, exclusively for my Patreon supporters for like the last two weeks. And I'm going to release that episode for you guys midweek. So in addition to this live, which you can always obviously rewatch, um, you guys could see um, see that episode there too, because I answer some interesting questions. It's not as upbeat as when I have a co-host, because it's just kind of me talking to the camera. Um, but uh, um, it's fun. Uh, Slob Jitsu, these live streams are actually fantastic. Thank you. I'm glad you appreciate it. We never know because we're so used to the other format. So we don't know if people actually like this stuff or whatever. It feels a little chaotic. The sound quality is not quite the same as a regular episode. Slob Jitsu, by the way, I've uh, also seen him around on Instagram. Really cool stuff. Really yeah, funny okay. stuff. Ah, here we go. What? Mr. Silver, Mike Remedios is the singer. That is the guy who sings the song from uh, Way of the Dragon. So if you type in Mike uh, Remedios, singer, Way of the Dragon, go in there, you'll hear it. And those battle cries in that song are actually the real Bruce Lee's battle cries. Thank you so much, Mr. Silver, 66, for that. Thank you so much Mike for Remedios. all our supporters today. Subagi, I really like the live shows. Well, we're getting good. So maybe we do this again next week. I don't know. You let me know. All right, Dre? Yes. Sounds Let's good. Yeah, you got any? You got anything to say before we're out of here? I just want to uh, say thank you for everyone coming out and, and supporting us. Appreciate you. Thank you for all the support through the whole two, three plus years we've been doing this. Hey, you know that guy there. Uh, all right. Uh, to the little KFP. <laughs> and we got the other uh, one on this side here. All right, we got the other one here. Yeah. These are just like Han, staying close because you got to fit in there. These are uh, my private personal bodyguards. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us live today. We appreciate it. Thank Ooh, you so much for the donations. And take care. We'll see you guys soon. Thanks so much, Dre, for coming by. And every day, I practice martial arts. <laughs>